Hi, welcome to the Potter's House podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us. We pray that you will find wholeness through this week's message and feel the closeness of God's presence right where you are. This week's message is brought to us by Pastor Michael Oldfield and is titled, The Ministry of the Holy Spirit. We hope that you enjoy. John chapter 14, verse 16, I'm going to read it. We're going to pontificate for a minute and then we're going to hit the road. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another. Everybody say another. Another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Will be in you. Let me tell you what the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit is not a genie in a bottle. The Holy Spirit is not a genie in a bottle that I've got to rub the right way to get him close to me. He's not a genie in a bottle that gives me three wishes and then disappears. The Holy Spirit is not subject to my wishes. I said the Holy Spirit is not subject to what I desire. Number two, the Holy Spirit is not a lesser form of God. He is not a lesser form of God. The only person of the Godhead that is in the earth right now is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is not here. God the Father is not here. The Holy Ghost is the only person of the Godhead who is here. I've posed this question to our hearing God and prophecy training a couple weeks ago. Could you imagine if Jesus was on the earth right now? Some of you say that'd be great. That'd be so great. I'll tell you in a minute why it might seem great. But Jesus had a different idea. We'd have to buy... $2,000 plane ticket, fly to Israel, find the biggest crowd, find the biggest group of people, wait in line, stand there, probably wait days before we actually get to talk to him, and then fly back home. But the Holy Spirit who is not in one location or the other, is my way to Jesus. And he is the only person of the Godhead on the earth. I don't have to buy a ticket to go see Jesus. I don't have to spend no money to talk to Jesus. All I got to do is acknowledge the Holy Ghost and I can talk to Jesus. Come on, somebody. Okay. So we're going to talk about four things regarding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we're going to talk about his person. We're going to talk about his partnership. We're going to talk about his path. And we're going to talk about his purpose. I got my alliteration skills from my father. We're all peace today. His person, his partnership, his path, and his purpose. Number one, his person. I read that scripture to you where Jesus said, I will pray the Father... 
And he will send you another comforter. The very first thing you have to understand about the person of the Holy Spirit is that he is the same spirit that was on Jesus. Somebody say the same. This word another, Jesus said, I'll send you another. This word another is the Greek word allos. And it means of the same kind or equal quality. Did you get that? The same kind or equal quality. So the Holy Spirit that we have right now is the same spirit that was in and on Jesus. What did the Bible say? The Bible said in Romans, the same spirit that what? Raised Jesus from the dead now lives where? In you. Lives in me. Jesus did not ascend to the Father and send a new Holy Ghost. Jesus did not ascend to the Father and send a young people Holy Ghost. Nor did he send a more seasoned Holy Ghost. I almost said older, but I don't want to offend you. A more seasoned Holy Ghost. When Jesus ascended to the Father, because if you read your Bible, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preached that Jesus ascended to the right hand of God. He received the Holy Ghost, and then he poured out the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus ascended to the Father and sat at the right hand of God, received the Holy Ghost, he did not receive a different Holy Ghost than he had on earth. Come on. The same, Jesus said, I'm going to send you the same spirit. Now, imagine you're the disciples. And you're listening to Jesus say this. After they have seen him heal the blinded eyes. After they have seen him open the deaf ears. After they have seen him raise the dead. And now he's telling them the same spirit that empowered me to do that. I'm going to send it to you. And then Jesus made the Holy Spirit's coming vital for the believers. I don't know how anybody can read the Bible and believe that Pentecost is still not for today. I don't understand how you can't tell me you can't unless you twist, take out of context the scriptures. You can't tell me the Holy Ghost is not the same today as he was on Pentecost. In John 16, 7, Jesus made his coming, the coming of the Holy Spirit vital to the believers. He said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Listen, it is to your advantage that I go. Now, here these disciples have lived with Jesus, talked with Jesus, breathed with Jesus, been in the boat with Jesus, see the miracles of Jesus, and he is telling them, it's better for you that I go so that when I go, I can send the helper to you. But if I don't go, I can't send the helper. We're going to find out in a minute that the Holy Ghost is here for partnership. And Jesus is telling them, if I was here, if I stayed on the earth, you wouldn't cast out demons. You wouldn't heal blinded eyes because you'd be waiting on me to do it. But I'm going to send the helper... And the helper is going to help you do it. 
the helper is going to work through you so he said now why would Jesus say it's better for you that I go and then we believe well the Holy Ghost is lesser form of God well the Holy Spirit's moving is not for today why did Jesus just said it's somebody just shout it's better it's better that the Holy Ghost come and Jesus go for the believer. So when I read that, I recognize I need the Holy Ghost. Thank you, to, thank you, Neil. I appreciate that. I said, I need the Holy Ghost. Newsflash, you need the Holy Ghost. I don't just need the Holy Ghost because I'm preaching. I need the Holy Ghost to be the best husband that God has called me to be. I need the Holy Ghost to be the best father that God has called me to be. And, and, and just to clear up any confusion, you don't need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven. The heaven is for people who've been washed and redeemed in the blood. So, so we, we can't preach to people, well, you need to speak in tongues to go to heaven. That, that devalues what Jesus did on the cross. What Jesus did on the cross is enough. But there is a part of the God life that I miss if I don't have the Holy Ghost. Hmm. So, so he is the same spirit. Then secondly, he is the spirit of truth. Everybody say truth. If we need anything, a revival of anything in America today, it is truth. John 16, 13. However, when the spirit of truth has come. He will guide you into all truth. The word truth here means what is true in things pertaining to God and the duties of man, moral and religious truth. A.W. Tozer said, the most important thing a believer can do is think rightly about God. The most important thing a believer can do is think rightly about God. Because what you think of God will determine the way that you live. What you believe about him will determine the way that you talk about him, the way that you believe about him, the way that you operate in your life. And he's the spirit of truth. How does he, how does he guide us into all truth? Well, John 16, 8 said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. The word convict here means to gently bring into the light. Not harshly, gently. Has anybody ever felt condemnation before, whether it's from a person, a family member? Uh, Y'all can raise your hand. Don't be religious. We've all felt it. Condemnation in your life. What, it kind of felt like you were sitting in a dark room and somebody just threw the blinds open. There was no grace in their words. There was no love in their actions. That's not what the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit convicts us, he gently pulls us into the light. And he says, I want to illuminate something in your life that you are falling short in according to the standard of the word. And he brings us into the light and then he leaves us there to determine, are we going to say yes to his conviction or are we going to become seared with a hot iron? The more you say no to the conviction of God, the more you lose feeling to his moving. 
The more you say no to God, the less you're going to feel him near. Because you will have a conscience, what, seared with a hot iron. It loses your feeling. And so he said, I'm, I'm going to bring into the light sin, right living, and judgment. Now there's a tension that we live with. And there's a tension, it's called grace and truth. There's such a tension in those two words because John 1.17 said Jesus came with grace and truth. Hebrews 12.29 said he's the spirit of grace. Zechariah 12.10 called him the spirit of grace. John 14 called him the spirit of truth. So there's a tension between truth and grace that I have to learn to live in. We had one generation that was all truth, all law, all legalism. And then one generation swung the entire opposite direction. Now it's all grace. Grace in spite of the word of God. Grace in spite of sin. Paul said, I do not, what, frustrate the grace of God. There's a tension. Do you know what grace does? Grace enables me to live truth. Grace, it, see, because apart from the Holy Ghost, I could never live up to this. That was the whole point of the old covenant was to show that people without God, without the blood, you cannot keep the law with perfection. We say we believe with our mouth a new covenant, but we live with our life an old covenant. Where we try to perfect and live in perfection in the law of God. If I can live perfectly, Jesus died in vain. So the grace of God, the influence on my heart, that is the grace of God, helps me to live truth. Y'all with me? Helps me to live truth. We're going to talk about grace a little bit more here in a minute. So he is the same spirit. He is the spirit of truth. And then number three, I added this one in. And, and those of you in our hearing God in prophecy class, just act like this is the first time you've ever heard it. He is the pledge of God. Somebody say pledge. P-L-E-D-G-E. -E. He is the pledge of God. Some of y'all, this is going to hit you in your heart. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In Jesus... You also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, listen, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee. Everybody say the guarantee. The guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So the seal means to close or enclose with a seal authenticate a document or a seal of approval or a mark so the holy spirit is our certification that we have been what both saved and god desires to mark us and set his seal of approval on us that's what the holy ghost did to jesus in matthew 3 he came up out of the water and what happened the holy spirit like a dove came and sat on him it was god's seal of approval in the face of men, in the face of everybody that was watching, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, sat on Jesus as a seal of approval. 
when I carry the Holy Spirit, it's a seal of approval on my life from God. When I walk and live the fruits of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, when I walk and live in the gifts of the Spirit, when I am obeying God and being led by the Spirit, people look at me and take notice, he's different. Why is he different? Because God has set a seal of approval on me in the form of the Holy Spirit. So first, he's the seal, and then second, This word guarantee means pledge. (laughs) I love this. 1 Corinthians 121. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us is God who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. A guarantee of what? Our inheritance. But there's another meaning to this word guarantee. The, The second meaning of this word guarantee is A down payment. So God gave us the Holy Ghost as a down payment for what we're going to experience in glory. What do you do with a down payment? You put as much down as you can to get as close to the total cost as you can. And so when God sent the Holy Ghost on Pentecost, what he was saying from heaven was, here's a down payment of what's to come. Here's a down payment of what you're going, here's a down payment of glory. Here's a down payment of healing. Here's a down payment of deliverance. Here's a down payment of salvation. What you're going to experience in full one day on earth today, you can experience a down payment of right now. And you know what? You and I determine in our personal lives what the total amount of the down payment is going to be. God is sitting here, just imagine it, with a briefcase full of cash. And he's saying, how much do you want? How much do you want here on earth? Do you want a dollar? Okay, you're going to live your life like you've got a dollar's worth of the Holy Ghost. But if you want him, there is no limit to how much he wants to give you. And we li- you've got to live your life as if you're saying, God, I don't just want a $5 down payment. I don't just want a $500 down payment. I want the total amount that you're willing to give me right now. You can pay it in full. Find a heart here that you can fill up in full. He is the guarantee. He's the pledge of God. He's promising. I'm going to put a down payment on this and I promise you there's coming a day. There's coming a day I'm going to pay the rest. So anything I experience here, I want you to think about it. Because some of you have experiences with God that would blow people's minds. Anything I experience on the earth is not the fullness of God. It's just a down payment. It's not the fullness of his glory. It's just a little bit here. And he's saying whatever you experience here, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is just a down payment. The gifts of the Spirit are just a down payment. The fruit of the Spirit is just a down payment. And there's coming a day when my feet hit Zion that I'm going to realize that there was so much more. 
I don't want to get to heaven and realize that I could have had more of him. But I settled for what, was, what I had. He gives the Holy Ghost to them that obey. To them that obey. He gives the Holy He said, I pour water. Where? Upon him that's thirsty. If you want more than just a down payment, if you want a larger down payment, all you've got to do is be hungry. All you have to do is be thirsty. You know what heaven does? Heaven marks hungry people. Heaven marks thirsty people because God says, that's a person right there who wants me to increase my down payment in the form of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Okay, all right. So he, he, he's, he's the same spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He is the pledge of God. And then he dwells with us and in us. His power works through us. Acts chapter 1 and 8. You will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This word power is the Greek word dunamis. Everybody say dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. Power. This word actually, the definition is this. Power for performing, guess what? Miracles. Moral power. Excellence of soul. Listen to this one. Power consisting in or resting upon armies, forces, or host. And this kind of power dwells in me. I'm a stick of dynamite. And God is just waiting for me to give him the wick. This is not, listen, this is not power over people. That Jezebel spirit is a manipulating spirit. This is not power to manipulate. This is power to walk into darkness. To walk into territory that belongs to the kingdom of darkness. And shine the fiery power light of God in the territory of the kingdom of darkness. And tell them, look, you reigned here. But now that I'm on the scene, there's a new sheriff in town. And it's the Holy Ghost in me. God the Holy Ghost. Not Michael the Holy Ghost. Not Pastor the Holy Ghost. God the Holy Ghost. Dwells. In me, power. What kind of power? The power to walk up to a lame man and say, get up, and he takes off running. The kind of power that makes people realize they might not have an education. They may not have gone to school, but they've been somewhere this school cannot give them. They've been with somebody that gave them something that education cannot give them. They've got power. Power. It's the kind of power in Acts chapter 5 where the Bible said they laid their sick in the streets. That just the shadow of Peter might, start, might cross over them. What did we talk about last week? We need a demonstration of power. Not a declaration. You can decree and declare power all you want. But if you're not consecrated, living right, and full of the Holy Ghost, you have no power. And the problem with the modern day church, I've got to hurry because I've got so much. The problem with the modern day church is we have traded authority for influence. We have traded authority in the spirit for influence in the world. The greatest amount of authority that you could ever have is found in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Because out there, yeah, you can have influence. You can influence people and you can influence, you know, you can be cool. You can be the cool guy, the cool person at your job. Or you could be the person at your job that when you walk in, demons tremble. Because there's something on you, there's something in you that makes them realize we're not in control anymore. Mm -hmm. That kind of authority that operates in the realm of the spirit. Not, that kind, not influence that makes you check your Facebook posts and your Instagram posts and see how many likes and shares and comments you've got. I'm talking about authority that Instagram doesn't even know exists. I'm talking about power that Facebook doesn't even know exists. I'm talking about authority that you can only get by the Holy Spirit. So he dwells with us. His power is on us. And then his power is in us. Let me help you. The Holy Spirit is not just for moving in gifts. But empowering the believer to live righteously. The Holy Spirit affirms our identity. I told you, Matthew chapter 3, Jesus is baptized in water. He comes out of the water. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, descends on him, sits on him. And then a voice from heaven, and God says what? This is my son. He was affirming the identity of Jesus. Before Jesus ever preached a message before Jesus ever led a song of worship, before he ever gathered the apostles, the father said, this is my son. He affirms our sonship. Romans, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, he said, you, you've no longer received the spirit of adoption, or you've no longer received the spirit of fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby what we cry, Abba, Father. Who is the spirit of adoption? Jesus. Jesus is the spirit of adoption. Then, then how many of you understand we are emotional beings? Yeah, some of us more than others. We are emotional beings. So when God moves on us, sometimes we cry. Sometimes we dance. Sometimes we hop. Sometimes we run. Sometimes we shout. Sometimes we just sit there, just try to take it in. Whatever we do, we cannot let what God does in us Stay on an emotional level. Because um, if you're led by your emotions, you're deceived. But if you take what God did, sometimes when God moves on you, it manifests in your emotions. How many of you understand what I'm saying? It manifests in your emotions. And a lot of times we just leave it there. What a great service today. I cried. I got goosebumps. I spoke in tongues. But what did God do to your heart? In Luke 24, when Jesus is walking with these two disciples, he's telling them all the way from Moses to the present who he is in the scriptures. And they get to the house, and Jesus breaks bread, gives it to them. Jesus leaves. He just disappears out of nowhere, which is gone. And they looked at one another and said, did our hearts, not did I cry, not did I speak in tongues, not did I get a goosebump. They looked at one another and said, did our hearts not burn within us? Why? Because the Bible says, guard your hearts, for from it flows all the issues of life. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. It's a heart thing. So when the Holy Ghost starts moving in a room and he touches your body or he touches your mind or he speaks to you, you can't leave it where it started. You've got to take it and say, God, what do you want to do in my heart? Because when he gets in my heart... It changes my mind, and when it gets in my mind, it changes my actions. 
And then he empowers us to live righteously. Galatians 5.18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under what? The law. So if you're not under the law, then you are what? Under grace. Under grace. So the grace we are given by the Holy Spirit, guess what it does? It teaches us. If we will stop using grace as a license to sin, we can learn a thing or two. The grace of God does not license me to sin. It teaches me how not to sin. Titus 2, 11 and 12. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all. Everybody say all. To all men. That was really lame. Say it again. All. all. To all men. Teaching us. To sin because it's okay. Teaching us. To obey our flesh. Teaching us that denying ungodliness. And worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. When sin is abounding all around us, this, this will change the way you look at that scripture. Where sin doth abound, grace doth abound even more. Where sin is abounding all around us, the grace of God teaches us to stay out of sin. It doesn't just rescue me from sin. It teaches me how to stay out of sin. And that's the job of the Holy Spirit. How many? I want to just say this to you. I want you to say this out loud. Grace raises the standard. Grace raises the standard. You didn't have to repeat it the second time, but thank you. Y'all with me. I like it. You're tracking with me. Jesus told his disciples, the law said, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, if a man looks on a woman with lustful thoughts, he has already committed adultery. So people say, well, I'm just so thankful we're not under the law anymore. Do you realize that Jesus actually raised the standard? So it's no longer about what I'm doing with my actions. It's what I'm thinking about in my mind. Say it again. Grace raises the standard. And for every standard, there's the Holy Ghost. Because I can't reach that standard without Him. Come on, when you get angry at your job, when you get angry at your spouse, when you get mad, when you look at that man or that woman and you have un unholy thoughts, you let TV, that commercial pops up and that put thoughts in your mind, I know that there's been times that something's come up and the Holy Ghost will say, turn it. Some of you say, wow, you're just really... It's legalistic. No, 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 no. I, I, love the, I love Jesus too much to let him die in vain and give me the Holy Ghost just to sit there and ignore him. Be sitting there watching a movie. A scene will come on. The Holy Ghost said, fast forward it. Turn it off. Turn your head. I, I, I've walked, I, you know, movie theaters, they cost an arm and a leg and a finger too, depending on what you get. And I've walked out of movies. Because I didn't know there was a scene in there that doesn't glorify God. And it's all throughout the movie. I walked out of movies because the Holy Ghost said, this doesn't glorify me. What's he doing? He is helping me reach the standard of God. He's not just making me shout and dance and holler and speak in tongues and lay hands on people. He's helping me reach the standard of heaven. 
All right. So, y'all, that was just one point. Let's go. That's his person. Now we're going to deal with his partnership. Under the testament of grace, under the new covenant, we are no longer slaves to a business master, but we are friends and partners with the Holy Spirit to accomplish the will of God in the earth. Jesus modeled this for us. He modeled this for us. See, Jesus said in John 15, 15, he said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master's doing, but I have called you friends. And I need to stop here because there's a dangerous theology and doctrine that allows people to only look at God and the Holy Spirit as friend. I've got news for you. He is both friend and he is still king. I'm telling you, what would bring revival quicker than anything to the earth is reverence for the Holy Ghost and God. He's not just friend, he's king, but he's also friend. That's what makes the relationship so beautiful. So I no longer call you servants, but friends. For all things that I've heard from my Father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. Everybody say, bear fruit. Okay, that was super lame. Say, bear fruit. That you should go and bear fruit. Jesus practiced partnership. In John 5, 19, he said, the son can do nothing of himself. The son only does what he sees the father doing. John 12, 49, Jesus said, I did not speak on my own accord, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all I have spoken. So what's he saying? Jesus said, I'm not going to do anything the father says not to do. I'm only going to do what he says do. I'm only going to say what he says say. I'm only going to go where he says go. I'm not going to stay not a second longer than the Holy Ghost says stay. What's that called? Partnership. I am leaning into God the Holy Ghost who is on a mission to advance God the Father's kingdom. And as a son in the kingdom, I'm partnering with him to see it happen. How do you partner with him? There is no part of our day that should be off limits to God. So you partner with him. You're walking in the store. And if you're close to the Holy Ghost and he says, I want you to pull out a $100 bill and I want you to give it to that woman over there. And you might be thinking, God, this is the last $100 I've got. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. So that's partnership, because you may never know what that $100 means to that person. He might speak to you and say, that person is going through a, a, a significant rough patch in their marriage, and you need to go tell them that I love them, and I love their spouse more than I love them, and you go tell them. Now, they're probably going to look at you like you're crazy. And they're going, how do you know that? Because Jesus loves you. You're partnering with the Holy Spirit. Y'all with me? So his partnership. So how do I partner? I get up every day and Holy Ghost, my day is yours. Father, my moments are yours. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to do? Some days, it's just a normal day. And you're just close with the Father. You're walking with him. You're talking with him. And then there's days he'll have you all over the place. And, and, and most church folk will call you weird for that. But then they need to look in the Bible and see what Jesus did. Because Jesus was not ever in a city very long. 
He was in one place one day, the next day he was in another, the next day he was in another, and his disciples are like, Jesus, can we get a hotel and chill out for a couple days? In, in one, one uh, part of the Bible, in Mark chapter 1, the Bible says Jesus has preached the kingdom. He's healed the man, the, the man in the uh, synagogue. He's healed Peter's mother-in-law. And the next day after the Sabbath, the door, they were literally at the door of the house getting ready to beat it down. And he healed many people. Then Jesus left. He went to sleep. Peter comes looking for him. And Peter says, you need to read this because it's powerful and it's a life principle. Peter says, Jesus, the multitudes are looking for you. What did Jesus say? We must go to the next city. For this reason, I've come. The American church is obsessed with crowds. Jesus was obsessed with the reason he was sent. And I, he said, I don't, I don't, it's not that he didn't love the crowds. He just loved the Father more. I'm, I'm, just, I'm telling you, this is not in my notes. We would see the greatest awakening the earth has ever seen if we loved the Father more than we loved Anything. Anything. We love the Father. So we see his partnership, and now we see his path. The way the Holy Spirit moves on the earth. Number one, the Holy Spirit moves through the fruit. Everybody say fruit. Galatians 5, 23. But when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, notice, controls our lives. He will produce this kind of fruit in us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And there is no conflict with the Jewish laws. Do you know that there is no law against being kind? There's no law against loving people. There's no law about having joy. None. And notice the Bible said the Holy Spirit produces this in us. We don't produce these things. What the Bible say? A good tree bears good fruit and a bad tree bears bad fruit. And then one, one, one writer said, there is no goodness in me at all. So how can a bad tree, me and you, bear good fruit? Newsflash, we can't. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit literally, when we became saved, he took us from being a bad tree and he made us a good tree so that now we may bear good fruit. We're going to talk about the gifts next, but how many of you know it makes no sense if you can prophesy and you're still mean? It, 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 it does no good if you've got the gift of tongues, but you talk like the devil in English. Zero. I'm going to help you. The fruit of the Spirit is first, love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul is expounding upon the gifts of the body. And he said, first prophets, second, uh, first apostles, second prophets, third, the gifts of miracles, then administrations and helps. And he goes on, are all prophets? No. Are all apostles? No. Are all teachers? No. He goes through all of them. He comes to verse 31 in 1 Corinthians 12. How many of you know the Bible was not written with chapters and verses? So I want you to read how this verse actually plays out. He said, desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but behold, I show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not. What was the more excellent way? Love. Not the gifts of the Spirit. 
I love the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to go after the gifts of the Spirit. But if you stand up in this church and prophesy and you're a jerk, oh, did I say that? (laughs) You're rude. That's a heart problem. Okay. I've lost y'all now. Come back with me. Come back. So the Holy Spirit, through producing fruit in our lives, moves in the earth. He moves in the earth. When everybody else out there is hateful, racist, rude, just doesn't have the gifts of the Spirit, and then somebody comes along and they've got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, they've got the gifts of the Spirit, what does that do? The seal of God is on them. Are y'all with me this morning? The seal of God is on them. Okay. Then secondly, he moves through the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. Did you hear that? Through the same Spirit. Through the same Spirit. Through the same. I'm not having a word of knowledge with a different Spirit than the person who has a, a, a gift of healing. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one in the same Spirit works all of these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. The manifest ministry of the Holy Spirit is seen in the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts are given to strengthen the body. Romans chapter 111, I desire to see you, Paul's writing, to impart some spiritual gift, listen, that you may be strengthened. That you may be strengthened. Strengthened. Now, we're not talking about the fivefold ministry here, but it's important to recognize the importance of the fivefold ministry as it is important to recognize the importance of the gifts. So, the gifts of the Spirit strengthen the body. The fivefold ministry matures and equips the body. Do you realize we are not as effective if there is not a function of fivefold ministry in the body, we are not as effective as God has designed us to be? I'm not talking about people walking around calling themselves apostles and prophets. I'm talking about the function of ministry that was laid out by God. That's not what we're here to talk about today. But the gifts strengthen the body. And you know what these gifts are? They're exactly that, a gift. When your husband or your wife or your friend or your family give you a gift, you didn't do anything to earn that gift. They gave it to you because they love you. And the same is true with the Holy Spirit. I couldn't do anything to earn the gift of prophecy. But he gives it to me because he loves me and he wants to partner with me. And then lastly, we see his purpose. And if you've not listened to me the rest of this time, I need you to zone in with me here. The chief purpose of the Holy Spirit on the earth is one thing, Jesus. Some of y'all were expecting something real deep, and that's the problem with the American church. Some of you were expecting me to give you some deep revelation from the word of God. That's the problem. Jesus is an afterthought. I love Jesus. I love to talk about Jesus. 
And I just have this feeling deep in my spirit that Jesus is tired of being the secondary to the church. He's tired of being secondary in the life of the believer. Imagine, imagine with me for a minute. You are the point of all Christianity. In you dwells the fullness of the Godhead. All things were created by you and for you. You are the pinnacle of all life, and your bride still treats you as an afterthought. Just, just, just think about it for a minute. The Holy Spirit only cares about one thing, Jesus. Through the fruit, through the gifts, through his person, the goal is Jesus. And when the Holy Spirit moves, when he comes, I feel the atmosphere has shifted now. Because, why? Because we're talking about Jesus. When he comes, when he moves, when he speaks, his one goal is Jesus. If he gives a word of knowledge, it's to exalt Jesus. If he heals someone's body, it's to exalt Jesus. If he moves in gifts of faith, the gifts of healing, it's to exalt Jesus. Do you want to know one of the apostolic functions? One of the apostolic functions is to take away the ability for man to boast. Not of works, lest you should boast. Paul said, I cannot boast in my strengths. I must only boast in my weaknesses so that the power of God can be seen. We have mistaken that the Holy Ghost wants to exalt us. Wants to exalt the leader, the believer who, who walks with him and talks with him. Nah, baby. The Holy Ghost wants to exalt Jesus. He wants to lift up the Son of God. Hmm. He said in John 15, 26, he will testify of me. This word testify means to be a witness or to give testimony, bear record. In John 16, 12 through 15, he said, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth, but he will not speak on his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things of the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The word glorify here, listen to this means to magnify, to celebrate, to make renown, to render illustrious, to cause the dignity and worth of some person or thing to become manifest or acknowledged. Do you want to know when America is going to have revival? When we want Jesus. Do you want to know when healings and miracles and signs and wonders come? When we love Jesus. 
more than all of those things and for, for so long in the church Jesus has become this afterthought that well I'm going to go to church and I'm going to check off my obligatory check box of coming to church and I'm going to get up and I'm going to read my Bible and I'm going to pray but there's no power there's no unction there's no authority because we're reading it with still under the guise of the old covenant that all of these things that we do are works that save us and we got this gospel that has told people get right or get left it's told people you've got to be perfect you've got to do it this way you got to do it that way and then the afterthought is oh wait I remember Jesus who died and covered the sins of humanity that's why Paul said not of works that any man should boast not of works that any man should boast and I want to stop right here on this Sunday morning and I want to just I just want to say one three letter sentence three word sentence to you Jesus is better Jesus is better you can put whatever you want after that it doesn't matter he is still better the bible said in hebrews chapter one this got me this morning real good in hebrews chapter one verse one the bible said this is the thesis of the entire book of Hebrews. He said this God who at very and sundry times spoke to the fathers by the prophets. But now, everybody say but now. But, I said say but now. But now he has spoken to us by his son. What is the writer of Hebrews trying to tell this predominantly Jewish people who are receiving this letter? He's trying to tell them in times past God spoke through the prophets. But now there is one who is better than the prophets uh, he has spoken to us by his son and he has made him heir over all things uh, and through him also he created the worlds uh, the bible will go on to say in verse 3 that he is the brightness of his glory he is the excellence and the express image of his father why did jesus say when you've seen me you have seen the father because he's the express image image of the father and he said he holds up all things with his word of power and when by himself erasing our sins he sat down at the right hand in majesty and listen to what the bible said in verse 4 having become so much better than the angels he's become so much better and i've got news for you today you can put whatever you want after that and Jesus is still better. He is better than marriage. He is better than children. He is better than where you find your joy. He's better than the bottom of a bottle. He is better than church. He's better than preaching. He's better than our songs. He is better than our ideas. He is better than our denominations. He is better than our theologies. He is better than our doctrines. He's better than our classes. He said having become so much better than the angels 
because he has through inheritance attained a name that is better than they and I'm so thankful this morning that he still has the name Jesus he still holds the name Jesus that every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father and when the Holy Ghost comes he only cares about one thing where is Jesus and how do I get him exalted where is Jesus and how do I lift him up where is Jesus and how do I put the spotlight on him it was evident in the book of Acts after the Holy Ghost fell. What's the first thing that Peter did? He stood up and said, you, you know Jesus. You know him. He was a man, verse 22, who was attested unto you through miracles and wonders. And you took him with lawless hands and crucified him. But God has raised him up, having loosed us. Has loosed him from the pangs of death, for it is not possible that he should be holding of it. And he would keep on going. And it was like Peter couldn't help himself. It was like Peter couldn't get himself together. And he said, let me tell you more about Jesus. Because David prophesied about him. And he said that he would not see flesh. He would not see death. And his soul would not see corruption. And this Jesus that you crucified, he has now been raised from the dead he's ascended to the father and he sits at the right hand of the father and he has received the Holy Ghost and he now pours out what you see and hear the Holy Spirit finds Jesus in a crowd of a million and says let me lift him up it's not about lifting up self it's not about lifting up gifts and talents. Why do you think it is that when this worship team begins to sing about Jesus, that the whole atmosphere changes? Because when the Holy Ghost hears the name, where is he being exalted? <laughs> where is he being lifted up? Let me go find him. And that's when the Holy Ghost comes. And he comes. Did you know it's entirely possible for us to be in his presence and to miss him? Get this right. To be in his presence and yet still miss him. In Revelation 4, John was caught up in heaven. And he saw the rubies, and he saw the pearls, and he saw the gates, and he saw the streets. He heard them worshiping the lamb, but he didn't see the lamb. It's so easy for us in our modern-day temples with the lights that God has blessed us with. These lights are not the devil. God has blessed us. But they can't become an idol. With these lights, these padded pews, with the air conditioning, we can come in and we can sing the songs and still miss Jesus. But something happened in Revelation 5. John said, I heard the elder crying out, who is worthy to loose the seals and open the scroll? 
John said, I looked in heaven. I looked on the earth. I looked under the earth. And no man was found worthy. And I wept. But the angel of the Lord, see, this is what the Holy Ghost does, laid his hand on me and said, Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David has prevailed. And in Revelation 4, where John heard the songs, but he missed the lamb, he said, I looked and beheld in the midst of the elders. And there stood a lamb standing as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God in the church. And I heard the voice of many angels, and they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy, for thou was slain, and you have redeemed us unto God by your blood. Out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, you've made us kings and priests unto God the Father. You say, Preacher, what are you saying? What I'm saying is, if we simply have a song service in a beautiful building the lamb is nowhere to be seen but the moment that our song service turns into worship and adoration all of a sudden the Holy Ghost comes in and he says let me show you the lamb let me show you the lion of the tribe of Judah and he exalts Jesus and Jesus said if I be lifted up I would draw all men unto me. That's why I tell you, we are not going to win a harvest without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We cannot preach a harvest in. We cannot strategize a harvest in. We cannot structure a harvest in. Only the Holy Spirit can lift up Jesus to the place where all eyes behold him. And even the sinners say, I must be, what must I do to be saved when they see Jesus? Jesus. It's all about him. And, 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 and when he comes... Somebody come help me. When he comes, everything changes. Jesus never walked up to a tomb that did not vomit up its occupant. Jesus never came across a sick man who believed and did not heal them. The ministry of the Holy Spirit has one purpose. It is to find Jesus in the masses and lift him up. To take Jesus from our discombobulated confused world and to lift him up. Because when I see Jesus, all of a sudden the chaos down here finds the answer. 
can I help you understand? I'm not against doctors. I'm not against scientists. I'm not against scientific research. But the answer is not a vaccine. It's Jesus. I mean, the answer, the answer is not drugs, alcohol. It's Jesus. The answer is not more laws from ungodly men. The answer is Jesus. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to exalt Jesus. I feel him here. So near to us. I want you to stand on your feet all over the room. I'm going to say one more thing and then I'm going to, we're going to pray. We must change the way that we judge our church services, that we judge our lives. And the new barometer is this, because the barometer has been, did we shout? Did we speak in tongues? Did people fall out in the spirit? Was there prophecy given? Was the word of knowledge given? The new barometer is, was Jesus present because if Jesus wasn't present we're operating in gifts from a different spirit but if Jesus is here anything anything is possible thank you for joining us for our weekly message we thank those of you who give so generously and make things like this possible. You can click the link in the description or go to pottershouse.org for more details and see the exciting things happening at the Potter's House. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends and family, and join us next time. Thanks for listening.